Can you believe that this is the fourth episode? I can't. I also can't believe that it's Halloween. Like, where the fuck did the year go? <laughs> Halloween used to be my favorite holiday, and I haven't celebrated it in probably three years. But, I'm excited I get to spend it with you, so happy Halloween. And the episode you're about to hear is an emotional one. This is my wedding day. The day that I've been looking forward to my whole life. And going along with the theme of this whole entire story, it's fucking crazy. So sit tight and let's dive in. Wow, so last week was a roller coaster. Holy shit. Um, you guys had a lot of tough conversations that, you know, obviously probably should have happened before, but it doesn't matter. At this point, he's there. You guys are together. Yep. And your wedding is how many days away? Let's see. 17th, 18th, 19th, 20, 21. Five. Okay. Five days away. So... Because we have the bishop who is going to facilitate the ceremony, technically he's not able to actually marry us on our wedding day of the 21st. So what we need to do is we need to go to like a civil marriage place. I don't know. They have like these like offices weirdly scattered throughout Phoenix and and get married by a justice of the peace, sign the marriage paper and all of that. That was actually supposed to happen on the day that he left and like abandoned me. So I had to reschedule that and I rescheduled it for the following day, which was June 17th. And we really just, there wasn't going to be that many people there. Like it was going to be my mom and I had to have another witness. So it was the justice of the peace. There was five of us in this room. Um, we dressed up because we always dress up and it was an important day. And I remember very vividly getting in the car to drive there and it was about 20 minutes away and my mom's in the back seat, and we're just jamming out to Luke Combs and like listening to like forever after all and like just really the country love songs that we listen to and sang together a lot. And he's holding my hand and I can tell that he's nervous. I was hoping that he was nervous just because it was a, a big moment and not nervous. Like, am I making the right choice? Nervous, but kind of giving me reassuring smiles and stuff throughout the drive and just really squeezing my hand and belting out the good parts of the song. So I felt good. So we got there and it was really quick. It was, you know, the basic, you know, do you take repeat after me kind of thing. And we signed the marriage certificate was all done in like 30 minutes and I really felt just this weight lift off of my shoulders. So even though the wedding day was the big day and that's coming up soon, we're married now mm -hmm. and he he did it. Yeah, that felt like the finish line almost. Yeah, and I and I just felt like <clears throat> okay, there's no going back now, which in hindsight is such a naive thought that I think we're kind of like preconditioned to to believe as young girls that like, once you get married, everything's going to be great. Once you have babies, everything's going to be great. So I, I was just like on cloud nine. And he was too. Like the rest of the week as families started trickling in for the wedding on the 21st, we had taken off work. So it basically was like, we're just going to do fun shit that week. So we went and got Manny Petties together. He got a haircut. Like I got my extensions redone. We went and laid out by the pool. A lot of days we're like, let's get tan. You know, he brought me to get my eyelashes done and sat there and waited and paid for them. He was doing like very chivalrous things and it was, it was really refreshing, I guess. Um, but I felt like, okay, this is good. If this is how we're going to be moving forward, then we got a shot. 
maybe it's the conversation we had about being more transparent and leading with us and like, you know, putting a fence around our family and, and really kind of just diving in as a we, but it was all good. And so we come to, uh, let's see, like June 20th, I think was the day that we were going to leave Phoenix and head up north to Sedona. So I got, our wedding was going to take place in Sedona. So family comes over to our house where all of like the wedding decor that I've been making is we've got flowers, 9,200 candles, just packing up the vehicles to head up. Dick eats really quick. I think the dog sitter stopped by, made sure everything was okay. I really wanted the dogs to be with me on the wedding, but I was like, oh, no. So I felt sad leaving them. So we're driving up to Sedona. We get to the house, and Dick's parents had already checked into the hotel up there. I believe it was his mom and his stepdad, and then his dad and his stepmom and his brother were going to be getting there a little bit later. But so the the schedule that I had made really said, we're going to get the house, we're going to check it out, everybody meet at the house and then we're going to go and we're going to have dinner all together because remember I have only met Dick's mom and stepdad and I mean his parents in general just once and they definitely haven't met my family so it's really the first time that our families are kind of coming together. Wow. My mom and his mom had spoken on the phone but not in person. So we went out to this little place to have burgers or something and it was really nice like our parents sat together and I sat with my best friend and her husband who was she was helping me plan this the same best friend who planned the shower and it was good good dinner when we got back to the house that evening I'm pretty sure that like my girlfriend and her husband and Dick like smoked some weed because it was really like high stress we got a lot of stuff to do before tomorrow and me and my girlfriend started kind of like taking stuff off the walls just prepping a blank canvas for decor all in the morning and I think maybe we watched a little bit of tv but we just went to bed really so did your parents get along was that like a good meeting it was good I think my mom was a little bit nervous that she would like slip up and say fuck because like (laughs) Dick's mom and stepdad, like, they don't swear. Like, they don't say ass. You know? it, oh, wow. So it's kind of yeah. like you, you're, like, you have to think before you talk, which is not really something that we do. But, um... <laughs> da, it, da, da, da. Yeah, it, it went, it went, it went well. I think my dad had wine at dinner, which was interesting because we never drank in front of his mom. Like, I don't even think she knew that I I drank. Maybe she did. I don't know. Naive. But I think my dad was like, can I get wine? I was like, bro, you're like 60. You can do whatever you want. You know? Yeah. And it's so funny in the story, the contrast of like really how strict that his, the religion is and, you know, but still his extracurriculars are like. Yeah. It it really was. It's such a dichotomy. Oh my gosh. No. Um. I thought it was really cute that my parents were going above and beyond, like just trying to make sure that they felt comfortable. Like they didn't want to do anything to be off-putting. And I I appreciated that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. Well, early night parents meeting gets, is great. Yes. It was good. Come back, do a little bit of decor, but really my girlfriend was like, you need to go to sleep because Mm -hmm. we could stay up all night and do this, but. I want you to have to be rested. She was really like, she took the lead these next two days, which I'm so thankful to her for that. So we go to bed and I woke up really early. Like, you know, it's your wedding day. And it was like, I was so excited. I was so excited. So this house, which I feel like I should kind of paint the picture. This house is... And this is the venue house. The venue, yeah. So we had actually... It was hard to find a venue that wasn't super overpriced in Sedona just because how beautiful it is up there. So I thought like maybe we could look on Airbnb and find just like a big ass mansion. We're going to have 50 people. Just send them a note. Hey, is this cool? And we did. That's how we found it. The house was actually like embedded in a cliff. 
and it was there wasn't a lot of other houses around it so it was great for a party kind of environment except there was one like right up above it and I remember the owner of the house saying like that is Blake Sheldon and Gwen Stefani's house so it was really cool Mm -hmm. just to kind of like that is the style of the house it was really Mm -hmm. big it was very like remote and stuff so I wake up early and no one else in the house is up. But the one thing that I noticed is that my now husband, right, isn't in bed next to me. But I didn't, I didn't get scared. I didn't think that he ran away. I was just like, what's he doing? Mm-hmm. So I text him and I was like, hi, I miss you. And he's like, I'm in the living room. Um, I, don't, I don't know. There's like, I think that there's something stuck in my throat. And I was like, okay, weirdo, like, what what did you eat? You know, and we, he had just like, he didn't eat anything maybe the night before. I don't know. But, um, he came back in and we had, you know, morning of the wedding day sex, which was fantastic. And also mind you, this house is like all glass. So there's no blinds or anything. So it's just like nature and then us in bed. There was actually a hot tub on the patio right outside. So we're like naked, put on robes, go in the hot tub, like cuddling, kissing, loving. Can you be like, wow, it's actually finally here. Just really good moment. And then the house started waking up and we pour some mimosas and my mom gets there and my stepdad and family starting to trickle in because we had recruited family to help us do the decor. So now my girlfriend's in full fledged like wedding planning mode and she's, this goes here and she's setting it all up and Dick and her fiance decide that they're going to go and, um, just kind of throw around the tennis ball, just play tennis for a little bit. Cause they really weren't like doing anything in regards to help us like Mm -hmm. decor. So I was like, yeah, just go. I don't want you sitting around like whatever. So they go and they play, they probably played for like an hour and a half, which was a little bit longer than I wanted because the photographer had showed up with the videographer and they were kind of getting the lay of the land and really figuring out where they wanted to do things and lighting and all that. So he finally gets back and he doesn't look well. Like his face is all flushed. And I'm, I think now getting my makeup done and my hair done. And he kind of walks up to me and he's like, I think I need to go lay down. And I'm like looking at the time and I'm like, okay, there's like an hour before you have to start taking your solo pictures done. Like we need to stick to this timeline because let's say it was two o'clock when he got back, he was going to do his pictures from three to four. And then mine were four to five and then five 30 on the dot. We're starting the ceremony right as the sun's going down. And he's like, I'm going to need some time. Oh no. I'm so, I'm so anxious right now. Yeah. Like thinking of the wedding day and the timeline. I really did, like, and he went and played tennis and now he's turning colors. What? Yeah. <laughs> like his face is flushed. I don't know if it's like, cause it was really sunny and hot out. It, I, I was like sunburn. Like I'm like feeling his forehead. I'm like, are you okay? Like what? How, tell me how you feel. Mm-hmm. And my mom's there and she's a nurse. So she's like, okay, let's talk about this. He's like, I don't know. Like I feel like there's like a chip in my throat that I like can't get out. And I'm like, we didn't eat chips. <laughs> A gambling chip. Yeah. A poker chip. A poker chip. You coughing those up? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I, true, I truly feel bad making fun of this situation no. in, in okay. hindsight, but like, I didn't no, no, know. No, no, okay, there's a chip in the dude's throat. Okay, yeah, okay. Like, or like, quote unquote, that's what it yeah, feels yeah. like. It's very scratchy. Uh-huh. It's like, I feel like I have to cough something up. So he's turning up. red, scratching his throat. Yeah, like, I feel like I have to cough something up. Like, it's like, and he keeps... Pointing, oh, like, at the spot where, like, his clavicle would meet his neck. And I'm like, okay, how hydrated are you? And he's really good about hydration. And he's like, I drank this whole thing and holds up, like, a three-gallon thing. I'm like, okay, why don't you just go lay down and see how you feel? Like, take a shower, like, maybe steam. He's like, okay, okay. So he's in there for, like, ten minutes, and I'm right outside the door to the bedroom. And I hear him, like, heaving. And so I get up, I'm like, sorry, makeup person, like, just hold on. And I'm like, babe, are you okay? And he's like, I'm trying to make myself throw up. 
because I can't, I keep swallowing and it's really frustrating me. It feels like a lot of pressure and I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, then keep trying to throw up. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll bring you some water. Like, maybe you should eat something. We'll knock whatever is in there down. Mm-hmm. You know, he was trying to throw up for probably like 15 minutes, getting more and more red and uncomfortable. And he could not, like, he couldn't actually even puke anything. So then he starts thinking, like, that there's something completely lodged in his, you know, what it, trachea, esophagus, mm-hmm. whichever one it is. Could you feel, did you guys try touching it? You couldn't feel anything? I felt or? like I, I felt like I, like, was massaging his yeah. fucking neck because I was like, maybe we can just ease it down, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, I was trying to do anything possible. I was, I was like, I, do you, should we, should you smoke weed? Do you want like to take a shot? Like maybe taking the edge off, maybe you not think about it as much. Like, and he's like, no, I'm going to lay down again. And now it's like three o'clock on the dot. And I'm like, you got to do your pictures, babe. And he's like, I can't. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to let him lay down for like 30 minutes and then So I'm telling the photographer, I'm like, really sorry, but something's wrong with him. And I, like, he needs to lay down because we gotta do the ceremony. So if we don't get pictures of him alone before, we'll do it after. It's fine. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that was fine. I get done. I take my pictures. He gets up and takes a shower. I don't think that he was feeling any better, but he knew he had to get dressed because now guests are arriving. And... Like, the bishop got there. His his mom is there. Like, everybody's the important people are there. And he puts on his suit. And I think that he actually, after getting fully, like, suited up, he actually, like, had to throw up. And my mom was, like, helping him in the bathroom, like, take his suit off so he didn't, like, get throw up on his suit. So he was fully dressed, but then, like, sweating and was like, oh, I got to run to the bathroom. It was a catastrophe. And because I was whisked away for pictures on my own with, like, my girlfriends, I didn't know what was going on with him. I was just praying to God that he was feeling at least a little bit better and was going to make it to the ceremony. Mm -hmm. Because this is crazy. Like, what do you mean? So, thankfully, I don't know. Maybe he just sucked it up or something. But it's time to start the ceremony. And... Everybody, all of my friends are out there and they're sitting in the in their seats and he's up at the front and, and the music starts playing and, um, you know, I'm walking out with my dad and I, it was such a special moment for me because I felt like all of the most important people of my life were there with you as an exception. I know, I love you. And <laughs> I, I felt so pretty in my dress And it was very, um, I'm going to get emotional. I don't know. It was like everything that we had been through up until this point was worth it because now we're like in front of all of these people who love us and care about us and we're like showing solidarity. And so I remember getting to the end of the aisle and you know how like you always think about your wedding day and like, I mean, cry, sorry. You always think about your wedding day and you think about what your husband's going to look like when he sees you. And um, he looked like that. Like, he was like... He started crying. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is everything that I ever dreamed for. Like, I'll get the reaction video that I want, you know? And... I got up to the front and my dad hugged him. I gave my mom my bouquet and then we're kind of just standing across from each other. And he was just kind of like looking me up and down and just like crying. And I was so emotional. I was shaking so bad. And so the process of, uh, of our wedding was that the bishop would say something and, and talk about, you know, us as a couple. And then we would go right into our vows. And I had told Dick for like weeks that I was going to do like custom vows. Like I was going to write something out. Because of all like the craziness of the roller coaster the, the past few weeks, I did not write my vows until like that day. 
And, but I, I felt them and I knew that they were good. And he was supposed to write his, but he didn't. So he actually just came up with his vows on the spot. And I actually have the audio right here. So I'm going to let you guys listen. For everyone that doesn't know this, I really, because we were civilly married and are planning to go to the temple, there's a lot of promises and commitments that are tied up in that. And I, I thought that that was sufficient, but I want to share some stuff also because I think it's important. I remember telling Bishop Waldrum probably either the week or like the next week after we met that I was going to marry Amanda. And he was like, please calm down. <laughs> like, I get it, but come on. Puppy love. And it's funny because now we're married. And so I was right. It's a school. Um, I basically knew that as soon as I met you that I wanted to marry you. I told you like the second day, like, hey, I just want you to know I'm going to need to see you every day. And you said, I hope that doesn't scare you. And I hope that doesn't scare you because I just was very certain that I had finally found the right person for me. And there was a lot of highs and lows looking for that person. But you finally came into my life, and I didn't really need to wonder after that if it was the right decision or not. Um, so my biggest vow to you is that I'm never going to leave you no matter what. I know that we have had a lot of tests in the year that we've been together with friends, with each other, and I'm always going to be here for you no matter what. I'm never going to run away. I'm never going to go to someone else. I vow to be yours forever. So those were his vows. I will never leave you. I will never run away. I will be yours forever. So where's the chip in his throat? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's actually the first time that you guys get to hear his voice outside of social media. I guess it's also worth mentioning if you want to hear my vows as well, I will have those posted. But that meant a lot to me because with what, we had gone through over the course of the last few months. The abandonment wound is open. And now being married, now hearing him say that in front of everyone that we love, it was, I felt like it was starting to close and starting to heal a little bit. I knew that I was going to, it was going to take some work, but, um, it just felt really good for him to say those things. Because sometimes I felt like he would say things, but he didn't hear himself saying it. And I really, he's looking into my eyeballs, right, as, as he's saying these vows. So I felt really good about that. And, you know, the bishop kind of closes out. You know, you can kiss your bride. I now pronounce, you know, for the first time introducing Mr. and Mrs. Osler and... We walk down the aisle and everyone's clapping and he like dips me at the end and we have some really great pictures of that. And it was just fantastic. We took pictures after the ceremony with all of our family, which was very cool. And, you know, hugs and kisses, congratulations. The guests start going inside and him and I have to do some photos like post-ceremony, just us one-on-one -on -one photos. And, you know, like I'm checking in on him, like, how's your throat feel? And he's like, it's not better. And I'm like, okay, well, thank you for getting through the ceremony. Like that was really sweet. And like, you're really good at improv, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, um, you're so sweet. <laughs> we, I just, I, I don't even know, dude. Like we took, we took the pictures, like, three, and he's like, okay, I'm done. Okay. Like, and I'm giving him grace because he doesn't feel well. I wanted And, like, wedding. what are his, the physical signs that you're seeing? Like, what's his overall demeanor, I guess, is what I'm curious about. With pictures, he seems annoyed, but knows, but is doing them because he knows I want them. He looks flushed, maybe clammy a little bit. 
and he wants to go inside and get something to drink and he wants to just try and figure out how to make this go away again. So it was, you know, we have a brief moment of him not thinking about the thing and whatever's in his throat. And now it's back to kind of like I don't panic maybe or like anxiety about this or I don't I don't really know. He was just really uncomfortable. I know that. I can see that. And everybody else could kind of see that too cuz they were like is he okay? Like so appetizers are being served now. Everyone's kind of mingling and saying hi and introducing themselves. I think this is actually also a really important thing to note. So again, Mormon parents on his side, not Mormon on my side, and my friends certainly aren't Mormon. So we had alcohol at the wedding, but it was like in our master suite, like hidden. So what? Yeah. Oh. So... All of my friends were like, where's the alcohol? And so it, it was like this kind of like, shh, don't tell anybody. You got to go in the master bedroom, put it in a solo cup. That's hilarious. Isn't it hilarious? It's, kind of fun. it's so, so funny. <laughs> I think that like people had to, like my parents knew. Yeah. I don't know if his parents knew or not, but I just didn't want to be disrespectful and have it in front of their faces yeah, and like with totally. the bishop. So uh, whatever, it happened. Um, and so... Food's going to be served before people can come up and start getting their plates. We did our first dance and then he danced with his mom and I danced with my dad and then everybody came up to eat. So he, I think he grabbed a plate of food because he was thinking like, okay, like I need to get something down this throat. Mm -hmm. So maybe like, again, it'll <laughs> knock whatever is in there down. He tries to eat. And at some point kind of calls me over. I'm like making my rounds and he was sitting down, I think with his dad. And he was like, babe, we got to go to the hospital. And I'm like, first panic. I'm like, we can't go to the hospital. We have a whole house full of guests. Like yeah. we didn't even cut the cake, you know? And so I'm like, you want me to go with you? And he's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, Dick, we we can't leave everybody here. They flew in like, so my mom kind of chimes in and she's like, how about this? How about I take him to go get checked out and then hopefully it's nothing. They can give him like some meds or something and then we'll be back. And so because he has to go, that's the best scenario of all, I guess. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So your mom takes him to the hospital in the mm -hmm. middle of your wedding? Yeah. Where are his parents? Why aren't his family stepping up and taking him? Why does it have to be your mom? Where's his mom? I <laughs> don't know wild. why. They all knew that it was going on, too, which was the crazier part. I think that I was like, okay, well, my mom's the, the trauma nurse, so, like, I don't know. I was just like, I don't, I guess that yeah. makes sense to go. Maybe she could rush the nurses along. Like maybe she could talk to them in nurse talk and, and get them to just put speed right. it up. I don't know. But was his family concerned? I, th his mom and his stepdad were concerned. I don't really remember seeing that much concern in his dad and stepmom's face. Like, I was also, I had the same questions, like, why isn't your family going with you? Because now really the only person that they know there besides me is leaving and it's their son. And it, it seemed relatively like an emergency, like not, you know what I mean? Like it's not dire, but mm -hmm. if you have to take your son to the emergency room, you think you would take your son to the emergency room, not have his new mother-in-law do it. Wild. Okay, so they get you're staying at the wedding. They're on their way to the ER. Mm -hmm. um, what unfolds, I guess, for him and for you the rest of the night? So he's been gone, let's say, like 45 minutes to an hour now, and I haven't heard anything back from my mom. So I shoot her a text, and I was like, what's going on? Give me an update. How's my husband? Meanwhile, friends are dancing and, and just having a good time, like drinking, hanging out. I believe his parents really, they left. They left pretty early because they're not going to drink. Like, so mm -hmm. it was my family and our friends. 
and everyone just kind of partying. And they left not to go to their son yeah. in the ER. They just like went home. They went home, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so my mom texts me back and she's like, well, the ER doctors say that he more than likely has something stuck in his throat and they gave him medication to like soften his esophagus to maybe see if it would make its way down. I guess there's medicine to do that. So he's on that now, but they basically are like sending an ambulance to get him to bring him to another hospital. So the hospital that they went to, to ER, but it's kind of like a glorified immediate care. So we're here waiting for an ambulance to come get him to bring him to the actual trauma center. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. Because now, like, I don't even know what time it was at 8 o'clock. Like, what? Also, it's a Tuesday, remember? Yeah. You know? And, like, okay, I have a question, too. Do you, I don't know if I'm asking too many questions here and no one really cares, but what was the, like, you said the doctor said they he more than likely has something stuck in his throat. What was their, yeah. what kind of test did they do to conclude that? Well, I'm pretty sure that they did like a CAT scan or something. And there was something in the CAT scan for And Gil. there was something that either looked like irritation or could be something lodged in there. But okay. there, it wasn't, it was definitive enough for the doctor to right. say, yeah, we should do a scope. Okay. For sure. And that's, and that's kind of why they were staying at the hospital they were at waiting for the ambulance. Well, okay. This is a really small, like, Sedona's a very small town, mm -hmm. and I don't know if there's only one fucking ambulance, but, like, he was low priority on the list to get to. So my mom stayed there with him for three hours oh or four gosh. hours or something, and then she's calling me, and she's like, Amanda, I have to catch my plane in the morning at 6 a.m. Like, I can only stay here until midnight and then I have to make the two and a half hour drive back down to Phoenix to the hotel and Ugh. and get ready. So I'm oh. at my wedding and I'm I'm still in my wedding gown and I I think I made somebody take a picture of like me like cutting my own cake by myself. Oh um my and I sent it to him. He had posted on Facebook, you know, that we got married. So I knew that I felt like I knew that he was like missing me and, and sad that he wasn't there, but also happy to like have a little bit of relief. So I think that I was drinking and dancing and stuff with my friends that were still there up until right at midnight. And then I changed and my one friend, the one that I actually met at EDC, drove me to the hospital to meet him. And my mom left. She gave me a hug and a kiss. You know, hey, everything was beautiful. I'm sorry this happened, but like yeah. at least, you know, whatever. And I wasn't going to see my mom again because she was going to get on the plane and leave the next day. So now I'm at the hospital with him and he's like kind of in and out of like sleep. I don't know if they gave him like sleeping medicine or something, but he's laying in the hospital bed and I'm just sitting in this dark room and I'm wondering to myself, why I look at him and he's not hooked up to any monitors. Like there's no like heart rate. He's not no respiratory stuff. And I'm like, why the fuck can't I just have my friend come back, put him in the car and then we'll take him over to the other hospital. Like, why are we wait? Why have they been waiting here for two hours now for an ambulance? He's not like die. He's not going to die. Yeah, totally. And so I went out and to the nurse's the ambulance station. Fee, oh, one hundred percent. Which actually ended up being like twenty five grand. By yeah, the way, it's insane. Mm -hmm. And so I went out to the nurse's station and I was like, "Can someone please explain to me why? Like, this is my wedding night. That's the groom. I'm the bride." Why can't I just have my friend come back and drive quickly over to the other hospital? Why wasn't that done three hours ago? And they're like, well, you know, if you're going to take him, you have to sign off on that if anything happens to him in route, we're not responsible. And I'm like, Has an, you don't even have him hooked up. Are you monitoring him? He's in a mm -hmm. dark room. So I just thought. He's napping. <laughs> I, yeah, like I was pissed. Oh, and no. I during the time I'm there for like an hour, hour and a half, I've seen the ambulance now come and go three times, taking people in other rooms. And I'm just getting so irritated. My friends, mind you, are still back at my wedding, mm -hmm. partying. When are you going to be back? When are you going to be back? And eventually it was like, I'm not going to be back. There, there's not, I'm not coming back to my wedding. And he's not 
going to be there at all. Like, so finally the ambulance arrives and, you know, they put him in and I'm sitting in the back. Okay, fine. We get to the other hospital and it's like, let's say it's 2 3 o'clock in the morning. What the first hospital had explained to us was that we would get there. They would do the surgery or the scope and then we would be out. Well, we get there and they accept him into the ER and they're like, well, the, the doctor's not here. So you have to wait till the doctor comes in. He's on call. He's, he's getting ready to come in. Be, you just have to wait here. And I'm like, it's my wedding day. Like, I'm not going to like not like spare any excuse to say this to like make sure people understand the magnitude of like, this is fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, like, we'll let him know and, and hopefully he gets there. So they basically pushed his bed back into this dark ass corner of the ER. Like it's a huge ER and there's the light, the the lit part that has people and it's, there's aliveness in it, but they take us into the back where it's like dark and sad and scary. And <laughs> he, you know, he's like holding my hand and I'm sitting in a, just a, a chair and he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. I want you to feel better. It's fine. It's not a big deal. It's just dancing and drinking and whatever. It's a, the important part you made it through and that's okay. And we're here together now and you're going to be okay. And I was just getting tired. I think I fell asleep like with leaning over with my head on the bed. And eventually he woke up and he was like, babe, just come up here. And I was like, this is like a one person ER cot. So I like fucking maneuvered my way onto the one person ER bed. And we spent our wedding night legit spooning in the bed like Noah and Allie from the notebook (laughs) it was fucking wild and they came and they got us we didn't he didn't the doctor didn't get in till seven o'clock in the morning and so they come in hey you know dick are you ready like fucking yes we're ready like we're ready they take him in they have to put him under like anesthesia you know and so I'm in the waiting room and (laughs) Like, I don't know. It scared me a little bit. Anesthesia scares me because I don't know, whatever. So they take him back. And it was all of, like, 15 minutes that he was back there. And the doctor came out and he was like, you know, Mrs. Osler, your husband's, you know, ready. He's in the recovery room, whatever, where they come off anesthesia. I was kind of low-key hoping that he was, like, going to say something really funny that I could record coming (laughs) off anesthesia, but he didn't. He was just so tired. And so it's just me and him in the recovery room. I'm like, where the fuck is the doctor to tell me what hat, like, what mm-hmm. did you pull out of his throat that made all of this? Yeah. Whatever. And the doctor comes in and I'm like very eager, like on pins and needles, tell me. And he's like, yeah. So we went in there and, uh, we didn't, we didn't find anything. And I was like, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, we scoped him. And I mean, it looks irritated. But, you know, whatever was in there, maybe something wasn't even in there. Like, it must have passed throughout the night. And, yeah, I mean, sorry. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what do you mean? That's a doozy. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, though. Like, hearing this in full detail, I just can't help but think that, I mean, no one really, it seems to me, no one really took him seriously through this whole thing between, you know, his mom, his dad, the doctors, like he, it just kind of seems to me like no one was taking it seriously except for you. You know what I mean? Like you were really the only one that cared or believed him in this moment, but. Well, yeah. I mean, I just, I I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine that he would be exaggerating so much to the point. He doesn't, he's not a doctor's guy. No, no. You know, I think more like, I just wonder, do you think especially coming off of the week that you had, like his emotional and mental state, like maybe he was having, do you think it was like a panic attack? And that it was- Maybe, that's it. I never really even thought about that. It was manifesting in physical symptoms. Like, because it does sound to me when you describe it, like he was trying to get up and really didn't feel good. But 
I mean, for a, a piece of chip to be in your throat for 20, I don't know, dude. It's just so weird. Yeah. Right? I've never thought about it like that, but it could be. I mean, I know that people have panic attacks and they manifest in right. really like you, you feel like you have an elephant on your chest or, yeah. you know, you can't breathe, whatever. Maybe. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I just know that he wasn't the person that ever wanted to go to the doctor because for the longest time, we never had health insurance, but now yeah. we do have it. And so he's like, might as well take advantage of it. And like, I'm uncomfortable. And so, you know, it was shitty. It was bittersweet, I guess, to find out that it was nothing. I mean, it was just so much drama. So much drama. So and, much and drama for it to be nothing. For it to be nothing. Yeah. I mean, it just. An, ambul an ambulance ride, I, I two know. ER stays, a same-day yeah. surgery. Like, I think uh, in in total, I'm pretty sure that when we got the bills back for it, it was 60 grand. <gasps> now, mind you, my entire wedding didn't cost $10,000. Oh, my God, what a nightmare. And it was nothing. And so now we're getting out of the hospital, right? Same friend wakes up early. I think it was like 9 a.m. And we have to be out of this place by... Uh, 11 or or 12 or something like that and so a friend comes picks us up we get back to the the house and really because we're doing all of our own cleanup we don't have the parents there anymore to help us I think my dad was left and um my ex the the one that is so wonderful who came to the wedding he was there so it was my best friend my other best friend her fiance dick me Matt was there, but he took off. He just left. Like, you don't have to help us. Fine. It's cool. And then the one, Matt's one friend from EDC. So we're all scrambling to get this place cleaned up. And was Dick feeling better the next day? He was so tired. Yeah. He got back and he just went and he laid, he laid down. And I'm like, yeah, I know you're tired. I really wanted him to help because I just wanted, like, he had no part in the wedding besides the ceremony. Mm -hmm. No part. And so now there's no part in him helping clean up, but I, I made an excuse for him. Like he was just in the hospital, like whatever. So we get all of it cleaned up, put back to normal, leave the house, call the lady, good to go. And, um, we actually went out to lunch with, with my friends that were remaining. And then we kind of like departed. I got, the one friend from EDC actually had given me a card, given him and I a card on the way back to the house. Um, Italian ice skater? Yes, Italian okay. ice skater. And he knew that we we had planned to do a honeymoon in, in later months, but it wasn't booked or anything. And so he gifted us in the card essentially like the next few days, like five to seven days staying for free at one of his condos up in the mountains in Colorado. And then to kind of kick it off, because Dick's birthday is the 23rd of June, we it, it was going to be, it was his 29th birthday, so we wanted to do something special for that. So he had actually bought us front row tickets to Seven Lions at the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado, which we both had never been to. So... We had planned to fly there or drive. That's always kind of a thing. What do we do? What do we do? And now he's like tired and his neck is sore, throat is sore. And I'm like, okay, babe, like we got to like take off to Colorado. We got to go back, drop all this wedding shit off in Phoenix. And then we're driving to Colorado because we have this week of just like vacation that someone gifted us. Like a honeymoon. Like a honeymoon kind of. Yeah. yeah. With like my friend paid for the front row tickets for us. He was going to go with us. Mm -hmm. um, he also, which he's so overly generous and I love you so much, dude. Um, he gave us, he said, watch the mail in the next few weeks. You guys are going to Lost Lands. And so he bought us a three-day pass to the Lost Lands Music Festival in Columbus because he knew Elenium was going to be there. So that wow. was that was so nice. That was what happened in September. So we did. We went back down to Phoenix, dropped shit off, and we just got back in the car. And I drove most of the way to Denver. He starts saying some things like, why are we in Denver for my birthday? Why I hate Denver. I hate Colorado. And so he's like already complaining. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, well, 
we could have just sat at home and done nothing for your birthday and our honeymoon, but like someone gifted us this, so you can be gracious, you know? So we go to the Seven Lions, miserable, he's miserable the whole time. I'm, we're literally front row and it's the most beautiful venue. That was awkward and weird. And what was his excuse or his attitude? Was he not feeling well or he just wished he was somewhere else? Like what? Very simply, it's his birthday and he didn't want to spend it this way. And almost how dare I hijack his birthday celebration? Ew. Okay. But like, ew. (laughs) But here's how I feel about this. If someone, like there was two options. It really was like, We could take the gift that someone gave us very generously, or we didn't have any plans. We were going to sit back in our apartment that he actually is talking so much. He's saying things lately like, I hate where we live. It makes me sad there. It has bad energy. And I'm like, I don't want to bring him back to the bad energy house on his birthday. So I thought that like pushing him to do something that obviously we had already planned was the right move but he's already being like no this isn't what I want and just kind of like pouting almost which was fucking wild so we hung out in Denver a little bit we watched a hockey game because it was the Stanley Cup playoffs that he enjoyed that and then we decided to head up to the mountains so we head up to the mountains and we're up in the mountains for a few days at my friend's condo it's colder but it looks like it's straight off of a magazine cover and At some point, maybe like once or twice while we were up there, he actually was like, I need to take a call. And I was like, okay, what kind of call? And he's like, a call with a client. Mm. Meaning like a FinDom client. I'm like, okay, this is interesting because we're in like this small condo. Like I for sure am going to be able to hear it. This is the first time that I am ever going to witness him, I guess, being like Brett Michaels. Yeah. Right? And so he's on his laptop and he's taking the call. I think he like took his shirt off or something for it. And it So it's like a FaceTime. It was like a FaceTime. Yeah, I think I think what he used mostly for this was Skype. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. Um and it was a guy who had like a British accent and it was really just like this guy on the other end of the call wow, you you look so muscular and how much do you weigh and how much do you lift? And it was all really about like how strong he was. And I think too, and this is something that people will not understand, but I'll explain, was it was like a poppers call. What? Yeah. So poppers are these things. It comes in like a little bottle that is almost like a five-hour energy bottle. And what you do with them, it's like liquid, is that you huff it. And it's very prominent in the gay scene to sniff poppers and do sexual acts. Why? I'm not sure. I don't know if they're illegal or legal because you can buy them at like sex stores. But they're... Like what is this substance? <laughs> I, I honestly, we should look it up after this because yeah. I don't know what's in it. All I know is that sometimes it comes in like an aerosol and you spray oh. it in like a uh, a wash rag and then literally hold it to your face and huff it. Or you can just have the bottle and like they huff it right out of the bottle. So maybe kind of like a whip it? I don't, maybe, I don't know. It maybe. sounds probably so uneducated. I, I feel like it just but... gives like some sort of... Uh, yeah high fast acting high or something but from what how he described it was like if I'm on a call with someone and they say they're going to pay me $50 for this 30 minute call if it was a poppers call and they started doing poppers on the call maybe the call would then last an hour and they would I lose more inhibition the higher they got and send him more money. Okay, so the name of the game is keep them on the call as long as he can. Yeah. Okay. And so these popper calls would be the flexing, the whatever, and then he'd be like, okay, let's do another round. And so then he'd be like, okay, right nostril. And he would like count. He would be like, one, two, three, and he would count, and that's how long this person was inhaling the poppers on their one nostril. 
Oh, so that's actually super. So he's telling them to do more drugs with the intention of this is staying on longer and then also controlling uh-huh. how much. Ooh. And these guys would like be like, I want to do more. I want to do yeah. more. Count for me. So it was like a popper coaching call. It was very. <laughs> oh, but again, this is like okay. the first time I'm experiencing seeing him do this stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. Like, that seems kind of crazy to me, but. These people are asking for it, like right. uh, verbalizing, I want to do this. This is how much money I'm going to give you. And then whatever. Okay. So we're up there. Okay. I actually, on his birthday, I took him to like the fanciest restaurant in the town. I noticed that he was being more active with the FinDom social media at that point. Cause again, we had the conversation like, okay, you do that. You're going to quit paychecks when we get back. So he's posting pictures from like our dinner and he's, putting a picture of like him sitting at the table and being like, who's going to reimburse my birthday dinner? And then would post the receipt of how much it costs. And it's like, I fucking paid for it. You know, like it was a kind of a weird vibe. But again, this is the first time I'm experiencing him Do people doing actually this. like paid though? That? Yes. What? Yes. So that's the crazy thing is that he would post this stuff to Twitter. And let's say he has 4,000 Twitter followers. Well, there would be like, a cash app, a Venmo, a PayPal in his bio or in his link. And people would just randomly send the total of whatever receipt he posted directly to him. So then does he like owe them a show or no, this is just... Just random, I I don't know how to explain it, random... Yeah, wild submitting, serving, I guess, yeah. you know, there people people really want to feel like they are his submissive. And and in order to do that, the name of the game really is about finance finances and money. And so if they had extra money to send, they would send it and then they would, you know, maybe he would message them back and they would get this one-on-one line connection to him. Hmm. So that it all kind of started really ramping up while we were on this trip. We got back to Phoenix and I start thinking about all of it and and my business brain, my legal brain really kicks in. And so we had sat down and I'm like, okay, you make a lot of money doing this. How much money would you say you make in a year doing this? Like before. And he was like, "Uh, like a hundred, 150. No shit. And I'm like, $1,000? <laughs> what? <laughs> like pennies? Like yeah, $1,000. Yeah. And wow. I go, okay, so how are people paying you before? They're just paying directly to Dick? And so, like, taxes seems like that's a lot of money to not claim on taxes. I don't want to be involved in any tax issue mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? So I'm like, here's the deal. I'm going to create a business. I'm going to incorporate a business. And we're going to incorporate it as an S-Corp because I potentially want to do another type of business that's like a little bit less weird in the future. So an S-Corp is a type of business incorporation that is taxed differently than like an LLC or an incorporation or even a C-Corp where you have to submit your taxes, I believe it's quarterly. And reason being for this is that Potentially, you save on tax breaks. I I could be completely okay. wrong about that, but okay. But like an LLC, but tax yeah, like says. an LLC. Okay, okay. But also, there could be multiple owners of it, and eventually, like the 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 thought was was that we are going to make a he's going to make a lot of money doing this, mm-hmm. and so I want to make sure that it is incorporated the proper way, and that we're paying taxes regularly, not just at the end of the year, because I could see this this picture in my head where we didn't do taxes all the way to the end of the year and so much money's coming in so fast that Mm -hmm. things would fall through the cracks and then I would be liable for it Mm -hmm. because now I'm the wife. So after doing some research and talking to people, like S-Corp was the best way to go for that. So I created an S-Corp. You know, I, I, it was basically our last name and it was an enterprise and, you know, we get the F-E-I-N. So we go and we open up a business bank account that has both of our names on it. He's listed as the CEO. I'm listed as the COO. And it's really a conversation now about what he has done in the past and how I can assist in that. And 
really the first way that I could assist in this was legitimizing it, which I did, but also taking a look at like the opportunity for like marketing, like because up until this point, well, yes, he's been doing FinDom and OnlyFans and adult content for close to like, I don't know, 10 years, let's say. It's always been word of mouth. He's never done anything formal with it. So I'm like, okay, I feel like we need to create some sort of of funnel because the idea is let's get you in front of as many possible potential clients as we can. And then the funnel would then filter them down into people who would one buy his OnlyFans. So subscribe. And then lower than that would be almost like the Hawaii guy or the Boston guy. And it would be a more one-on-one relationship, but high value because then it was, it was a personal relationship. They, they, they had each other's phone numbers, things like that. And again, no physical contact, no visits, no, and nothing like that. And I thought that the best way to get him seen by the most people was camming. And he had done camming before, which I had found, but it was like one site and not definitely the best one. So I was like, have you ever done like chatterbait? And he's like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, it's like the number one camming site, you know, like we should set you up on that. And so I kind of explained to him, cause he's not really like a big marketing guy, like explain to him how put you in front of these people, how it would trickle down and how eventually there would be some people down at the bottom who were like high dollar clients. The middle were subscribed recurring. And then the top was you're on cam. So tokens kind of thing, but all possessing income. So we put him, I start really doing research. So I'm like, okay, we're going to do chatterbait. So I'm going to set that up for him. So I set up his page and with setting up his page, like, you know, filling out his bio, filling out stuff like age, body type, uh, sexual orientation. Um, and then it was also like creating a menu for that. And I did that on chatterbait and on X hamster, which is another like porn site that has a live cam. And I'm saying I did it, we did it together, but I was really the one being like, no, word it this way. Just kind of more like the business, like legal angel on the shoulder, making sure that everything was kind of just tight knit and he wasn't going to do things the dick way. Mm -hmm. And I have access to all this. So I'm creating all of these logins and stuff. I have all the passwords. So it feels good that there's transparency because I truly don't feel like at this time he even if he wanted to, how is he going to hide stuff from me? It just felt very like we were working as a team. Mm-hmm. And again, he's being an actor, right? So this isn't really his life. And he's providing some sort of service to these people and they're agreeing to pay for it. Okay. And now it's legitimized. We're going to pay taxes. Cool. Setting up the menu was things like flexing, uh, I don't even know. It's like double flexing, peck dancing, like <laughs> I double I flexing. So is that two pumps? It like, would I'd be like one arm or two arms. Okay. Um, people pay for this. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think about the token amount. People probably pay 45 tokens for a double flex. So how much is that dollar wise? I think one token is like 50 cents. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I want to know more about this menu. What was his highest item? Oh God! Like, like a cum show. What? Yeah. Solo cum show. Solo, yeah, solo. <laughs> okay. Um, How many tokens? I think it was like three thousand. Okay. And so, like, if you think about, it, like, that's kind of okay. I didn't really want him to like come at all on camera. Like to me, I was like, no one's ever gonna pay that. Mm-hmm. Dude, people fucking paid it. Wow. Fre- frequently. What? Yeah. Okay. So the first, I mean, the first few weeks of him being on Chatterbait, I'm not going to exaggerate. I think he probably made like 15 grand. And he was just doing, he was just sitting in front of the camera. And that's not even counting what it was funneling into the OnlyFans or funneling into the Skype where then people were having one-on-one conversations and sending money just because of the FinDom relationship. So... And it's all getting paid to the business, so I see all of it's there. He quits paychecks, and now this is what he's doing full-time. I even went as far as to say, like, 
you're really doing this. So I don't really work in my office because I had my own office. I don't really work in my office that much. I like to work like out on the couch or whatever. I'm like, how about this? We'll just like change the office into like your studio because I all the time really didn't want to see what he was doing. Like sometimes I would like log in and I would be like, oh, okay, like he's busy right now or whatever. But so I changed the whole office around, like put like lights and, you know, set up the desk with like lighting on him, like all of this stuff to kind of really give him his own space to be able to make the maximum amount of money. And I think really like the question that people, a lot of people that know the story, like ask me here is like, how are you okay with your husband being naked on the internet and, or like full on coming on the internet? And I was like, it's not like it's not out there already. Yeah. And he sleeps in bed with me every night. We're married now. He's with me all the time. And he has a good body. Like, I don't, I did not feel at all. I don't know. Like, I wasn't afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, it was already out there. And if people were going to make any kind of judgment, they already made it because they already saw. And so I thought by, like, me legitimizing it that it would then be, like, something where I could say, okay, well, like, yes, I know that he's doing this. I'm okay with it. It is actually a business, which probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But, mm-hmm. well, what's his emotional state like now that he's, you know, jumping back into this life and you're helping him? Because I feel like I get mixed signals from him on whether it's something he wants to do. I feel like he's told you in the past he was felt victimized by it then, He kind of can't stop doing it, like, compulsively. Now he's back to doing it full-time. He has a studio. Like, I guess, is he happy to be doing it again, or? I think that he he seems happy. He seems like he is back in control. And meaning of, like, his emotions through finances. Mm Mm-hmm. So money is the most important thing. Money is the most important thing. That okay. that seems to be what sets him off and takes him on the emotional roller coasters when he has money, whether he wins it gambling or he gets it another way, that's a high for him. And then when it's all gone, whether that's from gambling or just no money coming in, then that's a real low. So he could kind of manage his emotions through this outlet. But if you think about it, and I, this is, I've done a lot of like deep thinking on this. Why was this something that he always has gone back to and him saying, oh, you know, it's easy. It's like a never, he even said this to me. He's like, it's like a never ending well of money. There's always going to be these people there that want him to do a show or that will pay for his OnlyFans. And so it kind of adds to this whole compulsion with fast money, high risk, high reward behaviors, gambling. I mean, he was doing uh, insurance sales, which is the same. It was 100% commission. Maybe you'd spend two weeks and not get a paycheck, whatever. And now this, you're putting your whole life out there, your whole body, everything, and it could completely ruin you, but you could also make 5K in a day. So that's kind of like the, the background music, I think, to really why he does everything that he does. Wow. Yeah. Well, things are sure taking off, and it almost ends here on a positive note, thinking you guys are a team, you're doing this together, he's getting legit. But if everything was fantastic, we wouldn't have a podcast. So (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't just stop here. Yeah. Story ends. No, uh... Bills were getting paid. It's seemingly things are looking up, but with a weird twist, a super ultra weird popper sniffing twist. Oh my gosh. Can you tell me before the next episode or do I have to wait? (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you a little, a little bit of a hint, but the listeners have to wait. You guys, thank you so much for listening to episode four. Promises, Panic, and Poppers. You weren't expecting that, were you? 
Some shit went down on my wedding day. Yes, it did. Re-listening to it, retelling it, recounting it, I feel sad for myself. And that's not an emotion that has come to me very easily over the past few years. You know, going through the healing process, really sitting with the pain and the sadness and the loss, all of it, and feeling it and understanding it has been key for me. And this podcast really helps me do that. So when I listen back, just like you guys do, um, it's, it's interesting because I think that I'm for the first time feeling, I don't know, maybe like love for myself. There are moments where I listen and I cry because I just can't even remember the person that allowed herself to be so walked all over and, and settled for so little, if anything. You know, a friend said to me the other day, hey, you know, just a suggestion, but I really think that you should start talking about, you know, maybe what was going on with in your head, like when you were planning on like leaving him, if you're thinking about that. And I looked at her and I was kind of like, huh? Now, I'm just going to be real honest with you guys. I am not writing a narrative for your entertainment. This is 100% the truth. No matter how fucking embarrassing it is for me, how stupid I may seem, there is no parts of this story that are embellished just for the listener. I never thought about leaving my husband. Even at the worst, I I didn't. I felt like that was betrayal. And truthfully, at the point where everything really just comes to a head, I had nothing. I had no money. I had no friends. Dick was pushing my family away from me. I was sad. I was sleeping a lot. How in the world would somebody walk away from the only thing that they had left? That's the mentality. That's where I was at. So if you're asking yourself, Amanda, why, why did you go through with the marriage? I think it's because just like him, now I was living in survival mode. And what was I surviving off? Tiny, tiny, tiny little breadcrumbs of hope and love fed to me by Dick. So again, thanks for tuning in. I know it's been a wild roller coaster, but I feel like you guys are hanging on and I love the feedback. I love the reviews. So please keep leaving them. Keep sharing. Love the engagement on social media too. We're going to be dropping some merch soon. So that's going to be very fun. And I can't wait to see you guys again next week. Bye. It's not over yet till you taste regret. It's not over